my, you know, Rogers, at the first of the year, he did a lot of praying. And he said, God told him, reach. He wants us, reach higher. Reach higher. And every, every sermon out of Ephesians that he's doing, which is just a, every book we're in is just wonderful. And as we go through that, he's telling us to reach higher. In other words, reach for the Lord. If you're a believer, it's what we want to do. We want to reach. And, and I, you can reach with your, but with your spirit, you want to reach out to God and say, God, thank you, and God, I love you, and God, help me to walk closer to you, and mostly, help me to glorify you, God, in all we do. So, my sermon is not what I had intended. I was, I actually, as Roger went through First John, I'd outlined it, and outlined it, and cut it down, and I thought, this is what I'm going to go through, everything that he went through in First John, and then uh, he changed I'd like to, I hope it was God. God, I pray it was you. He changed my heart a little bit. I did a funeral, uh, I officiated a funeral Wednesday. And when I was done, uh, the family, most of the family, and these are always hard to do, most of them uh, really didn't have much to do with God. Difficult thing to do that type of funeral because I don't know if any of them saved and, you know, we are talking about salvation saves us from hell and puts us in the right standing with God. Simple stuff, but not stuff people want to hear much. But as I went through that sermon, the one thing I do with each sermon is I preach the gospel. And I usually keep it simple, like verses, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, yet while we were sinners, he died for us. Good gospel, right? Excellent gospel. Or... For God so loved the world, meaning us, that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believe in Him will have eternal life in Christ. I know that's kind of a paraphrase. Well, when I get done preaching that, I thought, Lord, help. I, I pray if there's anyone there that doesn't know you, that they would have come to know you. And after it's over with, I always tell people, if you have any questions, ask me, because I'm out roaming around and and this lady that's older than me, I'm 63, she's probably, who knows? She, I, all I know, she's way older than me. Uh, and she stopped me, and she said, I have a question. I'm like, all right, what's the question going to be? She took her time, and she said, I want you to know this isn't anything bad about what you preached, but she goes, where's repentance in all this? Now, in both those verses, it's, infer, it's, it's inferred there. It's, it's, there's a sin problem that we have, and Christ had to die for our sins. But I told her, I said, you know, that's interesting. I've been kind of convicted of that, that maybe I don't throw that in enough. So I said, next time when I do a funeral, I will actually say what the Lord said. We need to repent and then that got me to thinking about a verse that people have just, I, I recently got on Facebook, and I actually kind of like it. I can keep up with old friends, and that's actually how this old friend of mine, which was one of my best friends, contacted me when his mom died, and I was able to do the funeral, and it was good to hook back up with him 
and just get to minister to him. And we're gonna, I'm gonna start, hopefully, you know, just speaking the truth into his life because he's not had it much. So that's been good. But in on Facebook and other places, and I don't spend tons of time, uh, but I keep seeing this verse out of Second Chronicles. Most of you are familiar with it, and it says Second uh, Chronicles chapter seven. Verse 14, now if he has the whole verse up there, I, let's just start there because I want, make, I want to make more of a point. That's good, just keep that up there. I imagine what I'm looking at, you guys are looking at, right? It starts with verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Then in verse 13, when I shut up the, now notice here God's talking as you're reading over my head. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land and send pestilence among the people. Now, here's the verse. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive them their sin and heal their land. I've received that quite a bit. Now being a student of the word somewhat, I actually love theology. Roger said the other day, he said, you're going to love Ephesians if you're a theology nerd. Believe it or not, I am a theology nerd. I am not a scholarly guy, but I love the word of God. And I love theology because good theology helps us in this life. When you're going through tough times, good theology helps you through it because you know Jesus. But in this verse, I can look in the New Testament and every one of those promises in there, we can apply as the body of Christ except one. No place in the New Testament does it say, if you do these things, I'll heal your land. I just want you to know that because it's, Proper hermeneutics is there's there's a way we're supposed to interpret the Bible. We need to understand this verse is for Israel. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't apply these truths to us in the New Testament. The only one I couldn't find is heal your land. So when I preach this sermon, I'm going to tell you this. We can know each of these truths are true But even if we do this, I'm not necessarily sure God's going to heal our land. And when it says God's going to heal our land, what most people believe is that God will heal our nation. Now, I I don't know. I'm just making a point. It's a hermeneutical point. It's not anything. I'm not, I'm saying everything else is in the New Testament. But why would some, why do we send this to others and put it out there for everyone to read? I believe because we are concerned about the state of the country we lived in. We are concerned about even our churches. We're concerned about individuals. So that's a good verse. But what I get from this verse is the people are saying we as a nation need to repent. 
So, when I say let's reach higher, the topic of my message is repentance. So, reach higher through repentance. And how do we do that? Some might say, and I know a lot do, especially in some churches, that repentance isn't really a deal in the gospel anymore. They look at the gospel as if God loves us. And since God loves us, as long as I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that's pretty much as far as it goes. And I believe, just like this verse says, that God requires of his people, because who took the place of the nation of Israel? When they rejected Christ, Christ said to Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And it was on the truth that Christ Jesus was who he says he was, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, and he came in this world to literally save us from our sins. So when I talk about repentance, some might say that's an Old Testament teaching. I want to go through a few verses and show you that I don't think it's an Old Testament teaching. I believe that truth is embedded deeply in the gospel message I just gave you. But God demonstrated his love for us in this, all that. For God so loved the world, but I believe repentance is ingrained in the gospel message. And it's one that people, not only in our nations, need to listen to. All the nations of the world, as a matter of fact. But our churches need to listen to. And you say, not our church. we got a pastor that preaches the word. You are right. But, have you ever drove around where we live and seen how many churches there are? Have you ever looked around our country and seen how many churches there are? Why are we in the state we're in if everyone's preaching the pure gospel of Christ. This is, this is just my opinion. But I think it's because they don't realize to come to Christ, you need to repent. And actually to grow in Christ, you need to repent. So my first question, and you guys already know the answer is, is repentance an essential part of the gospel unto salvation. Is repentance so essential that if you don't have it in the gospel message, then you won't be saved? And I'll tell you my answer, and I believe with all my heart, the Bible tells you absolutely. Let me give you just a few examples, and I'm going to go through some verses. I don't have no idea if they got all these up there yet or not. Because I, unlike Roger, cannot figure out what I'm going to preach until usually Saturday. He's much more prepared than me. And so this is coming to you late, and Mike took these, and if he got all of them in there, I'm amazed. But Okay, let's look and see what Scripture says about repentance. First of all, John the Baptist, did he preach repentance? Of course, that's about all he preached. And I just went to Luke 3.3. And he went into all the region around Judea, or, or the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Then, number two, 
Did Jesus preach repentance? Absolutely. Mark 4, 17. For that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 1, 15. Jesus, once again, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I really should just stop there. But as a Baptist preacher, I'm not. But repent and believe in the gospel. That tells us right there that repentance is an essential part of the gospel. He goes on in Luke 13, 3. And I know this is some heavy truths, but praise God, we can take these heavy truths to the cross and rejoice in them. Luke 13, 3 says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. As I get older, I feel my body, I'm not trying to be an ogre, but I feel my body dying, because it is. I go to the gym, and <laughs> when I get home, just doesn't feel the same. Last night, actually last week, Roger wore a tie. I don't know how many of you noticed. I thought he looked really dapper. Looked really, that's a good thing. I don't even know the word. So I was teasing Paul, and I said, hey, we ought to wear a tie next Sunday. Well, Paul comes up to me a little while ago, and he says, oh, Preston, uh, you forgot to wear your tie. I said, no, I did not. I had Brenda iron me a shirt and a pair of pants, and I didn't make her. She offered. I can iron my own britches. I know that. But she offered, and she does a way better job than me, by the way. But So Brenda goes, is that what you're going to wear? I said, sure. So I went to try it on. Guess what happened? I could wear these pants about a year ago. And I could wear this shirt about a year ago. So I'm a little aggravated. I go downstairs. I got all kinds, from pastoring for you know, a long time, I got all kinds of dress pants. I tried on every pair. And none of them, <laughs> they all shrunk on the hanger. Every shirt I own, dress shirt, when I went to button them, came to about there. If I got it buttoned, <laughs> it wasn't a good sight. My, my face turned red. <laughs> you know, no matter what you do, whether you like it or not, when we get older, our body's dying. For the wages of sin is death. You know, that's why we experience Death in this body. Do you realize the wages? That's what we all deserve because of our sin. But there's this blessed hope in Christ, and we all know the gospel if you go to church here because it's preached almost every Sunday in the text. We do have a blessed hope that beyond this life, we have eternal life with Christ and in the presence and glory of God Almighty. So when he says, you will all likewise perish, that isn't without, you're not without hope. God just says, repent, turn from your sins. As we've learned in Ephesians, you once were dead in your trespasses and sins, and now you're alive in Christ. 
And when, when, especially when you're at a, a funeral, I think the people that are sitting there, you need to hear this message, how you can come out of a, a dead man walking into a live person. But first, Christ said you have to repent. And this is getting much more personal to me the older I get. That's what I was trying to say is as I get older, I don't know how much longer I have, but I want, I truly, it's not just I want to be in the presence of God, but I'll be honest with you. I want everyone I know to go to heaven. Even those people that I, I, I am so sick and tired of having this perverted sin jammed down my throat about transgenderism and homosexuality being okay. It's a perverted sexual sin, folks. But God's saying if you repent, and I don't care what sin it is, no matter what sin it is, you can repent and come to Him. But the world needs to hear that. Thanks, that's okay. You can clap a little bit. That's the problem. We're not. Sometimes I feel, even me, I, I tried to treat the God. Uh, preach the gospel message, and this lady said, but you didn't preach repentance. So maybe there's some time with our loved ones we need to say, you know the gospel, but evidently you're not paying attention. Do you realize it starts with repentance? I did. The first time I walked the aisle of this church when I was a little kid, and I still remember it, the one thing I remember from that Sunday is Reverend Wilkins standing down here, and first of all, I was scared to death of the man. And I shouldn't have been because he's a preacher, but he's kind of over, you know, big guy. And I'm like, little kid, and I, honorary little kid at that. And I was 13 years old, and I remember him preaching. The only thing I remember is that I got this sense of, I am a sinner, and I need to be saved from my sin. So evidently, someplace in there, he put repentance. Because I went down front, and I remember being broken. Now, it didn't stop me from doing a lot of really silly things when I was a youngster. I used to say I wasn't truly born again then. I was born again later on. I don't know that that's true. That may have been when it was. Because I just looked back after my life and I was still a selfish, just just so selfish. I, I just never really... I don't remember ever really caring about anyone else that much except my own whatever. But thank God Christ died for a sinner like me and probably like you too. Jesus goes on. This is a this is really a good one. Luke seventeen three. Not that they all aren't. Pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. That's something really personal with us, brothers and sisters in Christ, because I've been in church long enough, and we most of us have. This is kind of a tough one at times. There may be times when you have to tell your brother. For instance, I'll never forget the time I preached, and I was preaching about family, and I mentioned the fact that uh, if you're married and you're having an affair, it's a sin. You need to get out of it. And I had a man come up later on, and he said, no one's ever told me that. I don't know how you can't know that. But I, I, it seemed to me as being honest with me. 
And he says, I'm going to quit. And he sat down there and he repented and he quit. I had, a, I had a couple that came in. They were living together. Folks, these are all sins. They're living together. They should have been married in the eyes of the Lord, and they're living together. And I preached a sermon. They came in. This is no lie. Preached on Sunday. Tuesday, they came into my office with a marriage license and said, will you marry us? And they're like, we, they never grew up. They never grew up in a Christian home. They had, they had no idea what they were doing was wrong. But right then and right there, they knew they were sinning and they needed to get it right in the eyes of the Lord. That's a good thing. That's more than just a good thing. In Luke 24, 44 through 49, then he said to them, Jesus is talking, these are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you that everything written about me, notice, here's, here's the gospel, here's so many truths here, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, let's go back to the Old Testament, and the prophets, and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. You know this Old Testament? Don't skip over it. Oh, there's just truths in here about Christ. You know, there's hundreds of prophecies about Christ, and he fulfilled every one of them to the T in his coming. Every one of them. And you can look at these prophecies and go, how in the world did he do that? And then you can look in the New Testament and go, well, that was pretty easy for God. That's, that's why we have problems in eschatology. You guys know what that is, end time studies? We can't, none of us agree on the secondary issues. We can agree on the essential issues that one day Christ will return physically and he will take over. We can agree on that. But the other things we can't because guess what? There's some things that are veiled to us in the book of Revelation and all over. And we're like, well, I think it's this way. I think it's that way. I've had people live because, or leave churches because of their eschatology view. Now, there are some essentials there, but no, we don't know for sure what we do know for sure because Scripture tells us that there will be a time when those that are dead in Christ, their bodies will raise. They'll be re- reunited with their soul and spirit, and then we'll be taken up to meet Christ in the air. Hallelujah. And we will be with him forever and ever and ever. That's the important thing. Let's stick to the important stuff. Now, I, I love the book of Revelation. I like teaching it. There's a whole lot of things we don't know, but I'll tell you what. He's going to come and he's going to set up his kingdom. And there will, won't it be nice when we live in a place where there's no more sin, no more death, Gosh, no more crying. We won't have to cry. We have this little dog that comes and plays with Gunner. That's my dog. Call him Gunner. Gunner Blue. Comes and plays with him, and he's been coming, and me and Brenda just, we've gotten to where we like dogs so much, and we just pet this little thing, and he's some kind of dog guy. He can jump over a six-foot fence. He's amazing. So, he goes to leave Friday, and I have to take him because he, he lived up in the country. And I said a little prayer, and I go, God, uh, you know, that maybe that sounds silly to you, but God loves us. He loves his creatures. I said, God, just take care of this, this, this dog because the, the owners didn't care about it. Get a call back later, and someone says there's a dog out in the highway. And uh, 
Yep. That little dog I just prayed for got ran over. And I take those things real personal because I believe in the 100% sovereignty of God. And I just prayed for that dog. And you say, well, don't be praying for me then. Uh, Yeah. But you know what it took me back to? What we just got through studying in the book of Jonah? Where God had to teach Jonah some lessons. He had to teach Jonah, hey, I'm God. I can bring up a plant. And I can bring up very intentionally a little bug that eats that plant. And that plant's gone. And I just, you know what? There's times when you just have to sit back and go, God, you're in control. I know you... You cared for that dog, but yet maybe there's a lesson in this for me. I don't know why that kind of thing happens. But did you notice in the first verses in Chronicles, it said that God, He says, when I tell it not to rain, when I tell bugs to come devour your crops, He's saying, I'm doing it. And and I'm surprised at how many people, they just, well, God wouldn't do that. God loves you. He, he, gosh, he couldn't have showed us any more that he loves us than when he went to the cross. He loves us, but there's things that happen. Remember when he, he says for us as believers, I discipline you. You're my child. I'm going to discipline you. God disciplines those he loves. I think of modern day parenting. And uh, just real quickly, let me speak to this. Some of the parents today, they just, they're so good at loving their children. They really are. Think about the old days. Think about our grandparents, how they, they, they weren't, they just weren't, they were, they were not stricter, but sometimes just meaner. And, you know, and, and like, but one thing we need to learn from this is if God disciplines us, what the problems I do see with a lot of modern families is you're afraid to discipline your children. Discipline your children if you love them. Because they are born with a sin nature. And God's word says you have to discipline them. There's things you have to teach them. That was an offshoot. Okay, so finishing this up. God's talking here and he says, I'm the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. And then in verse 45... Christ says this. It says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Have you ever wondered why so many people they go to church at whatever church, I'm not picking out one or the other. Uh, and and they just never they they read the word but they don't know it. And why sometimes you can not be really well educated or anything else and you ever met that person that's been in the Bible their whole life and goodness grief to talk to them, they just know the Word of God. And I'll tell you why that is, is if you have the ability to know the Word of God and understand it, it is a blessing from God Himself. It's from the Holy Spirit. That's why you can know it. And some of us, uh, you know, maybe some are, are teachers and they maybe know it better or whatever, but God opened the mind. So I ask as we continue here, God open our minds to the rest of what you have to say to us.
It says, thus it is written that Christ would suffer on the third day, raised from the dead, and that Christ says that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Not only did Christ preach repentance, the disciples after the resurrection, preach repentance. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know why sometimes you feel the Holy Spirit, maybe sometimes you don't, or maybe there's some churches that are more blessed than others in this, is that they have a body of believers that believe this and they repent. He says, when you repent... He will give us the gift of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. Again in Acts 3.19. Repent therefore and turn back. That your sins may be blotted out. Acts 26.20. 20, but declare first to those in Damascus. Then in Jerusalem. And throughout all the region of Judea. And also to the Gentiles. That they should repent and turn to God. And then he goes on and he says performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. So the answer to my first question is, is repentance an essential part of of the salvation gospel? Yes, it is. Kind of briefly defined it. If if you don't understand what repentance is, I think most of you do, but maybe this will help if you're talking to others. Repentance, first of all, is not optional if you want to have a relationship with God, number one. In fact, as we've seen, like in Luke 13.3, it is the very first step to coming to faith in Christ. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sin. Repentance is turning from our sinful ways towards God. We acknowledge that we need His forgiveness and His grace. That's what repentance is. We are confessing that we have sinned and want to turn away from the old, our old way of life. We no longer want to live in disobedience to God. Instead, we want to know Him. We want to follow His teachings. We want to learn to love Him more and more. We want to worship God, right, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. There's several quotes, and I got like ten here, but I'll only give you a couple. Charles Spurgeon said, True repentance is a turning from sin and a turning to God. That's about as simple as we can make it. Jonathan Edwards, one of probably the best theological minds that's ever lived in the United States, some say, and I think I would agree. If you haven't read his stuff, try it out. It's great. Jonathan Edwards says, There is no true saving faith but where there is also a true repenting from sin. And as a Baptist, i got to turn to Matthew Henry, because if any of you know anything about Baptist tradition, that was always what they taught in seminary. Matthew Henry said, Without true repentance, there is no pardon, there is no peace, there is no joy, there is no hope of heaven. John Bunyan, any of you know who that is? guy that wrote... uh, Pilgrim's Progress, yes, thank you. The second best-selling book to the Bible there at one time. 
don't know if that's still true, probably not. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress, and he said repentance is a heart sorrow and a will turning for sin to God. So he's saying, and now that's in Old English, but he's saying your heart is heavy, as in the Pilgrim's Progress. The Pilgrim had this, this sin, that's what the book's about, he had this burden, and only through Christ was that burden lifted. Now it took him a while, even after he became a believer, for that sin to be lifted. Friends, don't think you're not a believer because you're still struggling with that. It's a good thing if you're struggling with that. As a matter of fact, my second question is this. Is repentance an essential part of our sanctification after we've been saved? Now, I'm going I'm to define sanctification as best I can. Sanctification is the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit as an ongoing, listen there, ongoing process with the goal of making each of us more righteous, more holy, and more Christ-like. And God's Word is the primary instrument used for our sanctification. Let me give you a few verses. Some of you may remember this from our study in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1-6. through 6. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. So the author says, I'm writing 1 John so that you may not sin. But he knows us because as long as we're in the flesh, we're still going to sin. That can be a paradox until you really get into the Word of God. Because we all still sin in the the flesh. I know we all still do, but we all still strive to please God by living a, what? A holy and a righteous life. So my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Who's our advocate? Jesus. Oh, aren't you glad I have an advocate called Jesus? Friends, you don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to your pastor, Roger. You don't have to go to a friend. Now, you can and ask for prayer. That's a good thing, but you don't have to. What we need to do in our prayers, we don't need to go through anybody else. You you claim Jesus for yours, not someone else. You, Jesus, my Lord. That's who we pray through and to because He is our advocate. So we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Now here's, here's the paradox here. He says... I want you to know, if you're a believer, if you're born again, so you don't sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate, but you're not a true believer unless you keep his commandments. Friends, this, is, this takes some hard study. This takes some study in God's word. I get it. What he's saying Obviously, is that we obtain perfection which grants us entrance into heaven only through the righteousness of Christ. But once we become believers, that's when we try to please Him through a righteous lifestyle, through a holy lifestyle, one that we know actually it, it ends here and it says, 
walk as Jesus walked, and you say, that's impossible. Yes, it is, but that, is, that still doesn't mean that's, that's not our goal. Our goal is to walk as Jesus walked. And guess what? In the Spirit, we can do that. Paul tells us that. But don't get too discouraged when you can. It's not what we're trying to do here. Because Paul even said, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, I, I, I want to do. And, and, and so he's saying in the flesh so many times, that's, that's what goes on. So don't get discouraged and fall out of the race. But stay in the race because you want to please God. And I guess at the heart of this really is repentance. After you truly repent, and what I'm saying here is as you walk through your Christian life, you're going to understand that you need to repent probably daily, and sometimes you really need to repent. But you have an advocate. Go to your advocate. It says in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and there was a sin in the Corinthian church, and he says, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that, you're, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief, here's the part I want you to get. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. You can see that in Judas's life. There's no way you can't see he had regret, but it wasn't godly regret. He could have had godly regret and truly repented. He wouldn't have ended up hanging himself. So friends, when we talk about this, this sanctification, this repenting as we're going, I'm saying it's okay. And Paul says, good if you have some godly grief over something that you've done or something... Some, some kind of thing you're dealing with. One of the things this week when I hooked back up with this friend of mine is I could just, he just, it's like I never missed a beat and I hadn't seen him in 30 years. Any of you hooked up with somebody like that? Hadn't seen him in a long time and it's like, oh my gosh, you still do things the same way, you still move the same way, you're still kind of goofy or whatever. And, and he, he's like, the one thing he said to me is, I didn't remember you being that short. And I'm like, uh, where'd that come from? I guess because he grew. I don't know. But I didn't care. We, we still, it's, it's funny how we just still had this love for one another. And I really want to make sure he knows Christ. That's why I want to reconnect with him. So I don't know if he does. So if you today, we're about to end. If you today have any kind of sin that you feel you need to repent of, know that you're in good company. You're in good company. But you're also in a great place. To when we have, We're going to have a short invitation here in just a second. Bow your head and just say, God, I, this is my attitude. This is whatever. Help me to... Help me in this. I'm repenting of this. I want to turn away from it. In Ephesus, and I wanted to bring this up because we're studying the book of Ephesians, which is written to the church in Ephesus. 
later on in the book of Revelation, Christ is talking to the church of Ephesus. Christ, the risen, risen Savior, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, is talking to the church of Ephesus. And he says in chapter 2, I know your works. Listen, listen to this. These people work hard. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. Good for them. But have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and have found them to be false. Good stuff. Jesus said, good stuff. We should, friends, don't feel bad if you hear someone preaching on TV and you're like, that just doesn't sound right. That isn't in agreement with the Word of God. Or someone claims something here, someone claims something there. You go to the Word of God, even when I'm teaching. But I'll tell you, this repentance thing, I'm right on it. Because I could give you a hundred other verses. You're like, thank God he didn't do that. Yeah, okay. But Ephesians, Ephesians, he says this to him and he says, I know you're enduring patiently. So he's talking to him and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. Wow. Good church. But even in the best of churches, he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. He tells them, Repent. Repent. And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand, etc., etc. He goes on and says some other good things about him. But even to the church at Ephesus, he says, You know what? You need to repent. And then he says this. I skipped over this purposely. This is the problem he had with the church of Ephesus. And no matter how big this church gets or how small it stays, I I told Brenda when we went back to church, and I should have done it a long time ago. You know, Roger said the other day, he said, when you're obedient, God then, he, he, he works in your lives, and he tells you you have to die to self, and then there's the resurrection. and all. So, Let's, let's put it this way. When you repent, sometimes part of that repentance is dying to self, but then there's a resurrection coming. No matter what I have in, in any church, I'm going to be a part of the local body. He says here to the, to the Ephesus church, you lost your first love. Friends, all this can be summed up in one one truth. Love God more than you love your sin. Love God more than you love anything else. This is a church family. And I'm not saying we don't do this. I think we do. But let's love God. Affectionately love God. Emotionally love God through our deeds and our works and what we listen to and what we do, let's love God. And then and only then will we be able to love each other. That's what it, it, it comes down to. So is sanctification part of repentance in our lives? Yes, it is. That's the answer. Will our nation ever repent as a nation? I'm talking about America. Hey, I am, I am a patriot. 
I, I am. I, I actually at one time I I, I kind of worship America, but I don't know if our nation's ever going to repent. Now it can. If Nineveh did, we can. But I want to let you know that's really not my main concern anymore. I have a bigger concern for individuals than a collective nation. Because you do know whether our nation goes downhill. Our nation has went through, since I've been a believer, I've seen our nation go from a nation that pretty much honors God, I think, to a secular nation. You know what I mean? We took God and we took man's things and we kind of combined them and we were okay with it. Now we have become... This is just my opinion. If you don't agree with me and you say, well, I want to know what the pastor thinks, you go talk to Roger. He won't. But I believe now we live in a pagan nation for the most part. I have learned this is supposed to be funny. Don't mess around with redneck beer. Get in trouble. That's a whole other thing, but that probably wasn't of God. That's just, I've been laughing all week. You mess with redneck's beer and you get in trouble, buddy. But, oh, well. And I mean that in the best of ways. I'm from Pleasant Hill. Come on, I'm a redneck, and I'm kind of proud of it. But I don't know if our nation's going to come back. But even if it doesn't, you know what, Michael? The gospel will still move forward. People will still be reached with the gospel of Christ. As a matter of fact, if you look in Scripture, and if you look in the book of Revelation, the only church that was really flourishing and had no, nothing said, Christ said nothing against them, was the one that was fallen under. They were poor. They'd fallen under all kinds of, of affliction. That the, the people around them hated them. Maybe that's what it'll take in America for us to stand up, and it's okay. I just pray, God, give me strength, because I'm a pretty big sissy. Give me strength to it. But it, maybe that's where he's leading us, is to say, Christians, I want you to stand up. Now, stand up rightly. Remember, we love God and we love each other as a body of Christ, and we have to do it in a way that we love people. And that's, that's hard for me sometimes, but that's where I repent and say, God, help me to love the individual, each individual. Because... Not only do I think our nation needs to repent, as this verse said, but our churches need to repent. There's so many on every corner. Some churches need to repent because they don't have a true saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because they're telling people, come into our church and you can believe anything you want to believe. You don't have to repent of your sins. As a matter of fact, we affirm your perverted, sinful lifestyle. Those churches, we pray, come to know Christ and that they start preaching the gospel true and start preaching repentance. Now, for other churches that I believe are Christians, they need to repent because they need to understand we're not here just to bring people into the doors and get more and more people. We're not here to entertain you. Like JFK said, don't ask what your country can do for you. 
but see what you can do for your country. I'm saying in our church here, we need to be saying we want to bring you in, and if you're not a believer, repent. We're going to show you that. And if you are a repeat, uh, believer, let's help each other love God more, love each other more. Let's repent of our sins. Let's do more things that show the outside world that we want to live a righteous and holy life. As far as individuals, do we need to repent? Certainly, we do. I found that out when about a year ago, God told me, He said, you need to be back in the church, and I didn't think I needed to be. And this is what I was trying to say a little while ago. Man. God, with all of us, you all know this, He's so patient with us. And I knew Hebrews, and it tells us not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together. I kept saying, Preston, I know you need to get back in the church, but I was fine not being there. A little bit of a loner. And you get hurt in churches, I get all that. But ever since, I, like Roger said, I obeyed and died to self, you know what's starting to resurrect in me? A heart that absolutely loves the Lord more than I think I ever have. And I love His Word. And this is, this is what I'm going to ask you. In loving His Word, if you love His Word, just this week, turn the TV off and read His Word a little more. Now, something I'm not telling you you have to do it. It's something I'm asking you. Do it and you will see the blessings. Read His Word. Read His Word. Doesn't have to be tons, although you'll find after you read 10 minutes, you want to read 20 minutes. After that, you want to read an hour's worth, and that's okay. As we close with song and